This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello and welcome to Destination Draft Day. I'm Michael Rockman, joined by our good friend Brian Salsa, and we have a lot to talk about. Nick couldn't show up. He was just too heartbroken by the idea of trying to fix the Giants in one offseason, so he had to bail. We got the Giants. We got the Cowboys. We got plenty to discuss. But first and foremost, I want to say hello, Brian, and how are you doing? I'm doing great, man. Had a, had a great weekend. It's snowing outside here again, so... If anybody's in a uh, warm weather climate, uh, I'm jealous of you. But other than that, everything's good. How about you? Uh, It feels like summer right now. We got up to around 48, 50 (laughs) degrees. So going from three degrees to that, it feels amazing outside. Definitely enjoying it while I can. But let's get into the football side of things. Immediately off the bat, I want to talk about this new salary cap. They have been talking about it all year. They've been saying, well, with COVID going on, we could really see a huge hit on the number. And then they go forward and say, okay, we have now found new limits. You know, most likely it's going to be within that 188 million range, somewhere in that area. And that's huge for teams because there was talks about 20 million less cap this year, even further. And now at least getting this somewhat reasonable, only 12 million loss on the cap is huge for teams, especially teams like the saints who are going to be struggling just to get back to zero. So yeah, Brian, yeah. this off season, I, I just want to get your thoughts on, on what you think the impact is of, of this new cap and how do you think the more increase that comes in, the better teams benefit from it. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Well, everybody benefits from it, right? Because if you have a lot of cap space, you have even more and you can spend like sailors if you want. And if you don't have any, uh, well, now at least you have some because we're going to talk about a couple of teams today. Uh, the Cowboys already had some cap space, but, you know, the Giants are the Giants with the way their salaries were from last year. were a little bit up against it. Right. So um, it was going to take some work for them and for a lot of other teams. I think the Saints are the the Saints are the poster boy and the and the Eagles also were the poster boys for cap hell. But we saw teams like the Eagles and the Rams pay other teams in trades to get some of their big salaries off the books already. How the Saints end up doing that, um, you know, we'll see. But uh, it's huge. It was uh, was supposed to be around 175, and now it's going to get up into the 180s. And I think everybody's going to be super pumped about it. Um, I know the Jets are going to have more money than anybody else. If they do anything positive with it, that remains to be seen. But having money, having money is always a good thing because you can't only fix a football team in the draft. It's a good start, but you have to you have to make moves through free agency too. Absolutely. And we're going to see a lot of restructures this year. Teams trying to not necessarily make cuts, but just try to convert those salary caps into bonuses to where the hit is less on their team. And that may push off some money. But in a year like this, I think a lot of teams are trying to create space where they can. 
But I wanted to ask you, with all the teams that are kind of up against the cap, could we see a lot of one-year short-term deals where players are signing with contenders trying to chase a ring? Maybe someone like an Allen Robinson is saying, okay, yeah, I understand that I can get a big payday, but maybe I sign a one-year deal with, you know, I'm just naming a top team like the Chiefs or something and try to chase a ring. And, you know, worst case, it doesn't happen, and then he goes back in free agency and gets a huge contract. Or maybe we see these teams, these free agents, I mean, chase the money and go for, for you know, teams like the, the Jets and the Jaguars that are willing to spend big and are far and away ahead of everyone else. I think it's going to be a little bit of both, like it always is. I mean, we saw the years that uh, Tom was in uh, New England. He had to restructure his contract so that they could fit other players uh, underneath all the time. And the Chiefs are probably going to run into a similar thing as our other good teams. But as long as you are good, you're always going to find those guys who are willing to maybe bet on themselves, take a one-year deal with the hopes of earning a new contract uh, you know, the next year. And then you'll always see guys that maybe we see it more in sports like basketball, where a guy will just take a five-year deal with a really bad team because it's going to set him and his family up for life. You know, um, I mean, I guess we see it in all sports. But it'll probably be a mix of both. I mean, we're not – we're definitely going to see guys want to be free agents next year. Like next year, like when the, when the, um, as teams get more cap space and the new salary cap really, really comes into play, guys are going to want to be free agents because teams are going to be able to spend. And we talk about all the time when a guy signs, well, is he worth it or is he not worth it? And it's like, it doesn't matter what a guy's worth. It's only worth what the market will bear. So when the free, when the salary cap goes up by a ton, well, the market can bear everybody to make a lot more money for, know from a player perspective absolutely and speaking of more money rumors of this new tv deal could skyrocket the salary cap and we could see a lot of short-term deals that maybe people aren't expecting less four-year three-year deals more one two-year deals even for those guys that you know may want to stick around in those places and want to be there for a long time may just want to see what they can get when this new tv deal comes into play i know with Joe Douglas, there were a lot of big moves last year, whether it was agreed upon or not. You know, some moves got question marks like the George Fant deal. Some moves are absolutely loved. But the Jets, Jaguars, all these teams, yes, you have probably a great QB on a golden platter that you can draft. But it's important that you are able to spend the money and hit with the, with the money that you do spend. So in terms of how important the free agency aspect is for a GM and success in the NFL. How, how important would you say if you were to put it on a, you know, hundred percent scale of free agency and draft acquisitions, what would you say is more important and where would you lean on that scale? That's actually a great question, right? Because you can't, you really, you obviously need both uh, to win. I would say probably maybe free agency is a little bit more important. Uh, to me than the draft. I mean, the early rounds of the draft, if you got very specific, are probably the most important single things. But if you put the entire thing together, I'm going to say free agency on like a 60-40 or something like that, just because guys you get from the draft are unproven, they're inexperienced, but the way you win is really with with veterans and filling out your holes in a way that um, makes your team more well-rounded. So what you do, and they obviously go hand in hand, but in free agency, you have to you can always address more holes in free agency than you can in the draft. And um, yeah, so I'm going to say free agency maybe just by a little bit. What do you think? I I think it's 
like you said, a mix of both for sure. Probably just due to my bias, I think the draft, the draft. is important. <laughs> yeah. If you can get some depth pieces in the draft, that's absolutely huge. Not yeah. have to go out and spend, you know, two million, three million on guys that's right. in free agency yeah. where you can get those extra millions that come into play. And I think that's huge. And you know, obviously there's ways to win with both. Like the Patriots are historically not one of the greatest drafting teams, but they have had a phenomenal franchise because of the way they've worked the free agency period and gotten these low value deals. And then at the same time, you know, there's other teams like the chiefs who have drafted a lot of their roster and they've put together this phenomenal run right now. So both are great ways to success. And it's just important that you're able to capitalize on at least one of the aspects. And if you can do both, you're probably in a very good place. And we have a comment from the comment section, Ricklington back and ready says fans in the stands means more money, more one-year deals. Cause you don't want to handcuff yourself for less. And yeah, I think that's definitely a possibility. I think a lot of these players are going to have that in mind that, you know, the money probably is just going to get more. And if they can get more in their wallets with the more money available, then that's absolutely the way they'll go. You can't fault them for it. People love money. No, no shame in it. So <laughs> one of the teams that has a lot to do this off season and will probably move around all their money because that's just the Jerry Jones way is the Dallas Cowboys. So we're going to first look into their draft. Kayla Farrelly as the first round pick seems to be a great selection. The Cowboys secondary definitely had its issues for the season. Trevon Diggs is likely going to be back as a starter. Anthony Brown playing in the slot with Chris Richard as your cornerbacks coach, your pass game planner for the defense. I think it's absolutely huge that you get a physical, long, lanky corner that can play in the system, finish out the secondary, get some studs, and I think you're in for a treat. Dan Quinn, obviously the defensive coordinator. Last year, you know, the offensive line fell apart, but the biggest thing that seemed to be the issue was the secondary. It grew as the season went along, but the, there's still much needed help in this set, in this unit, and I think Fairley would be a great pick for that. In the second round, a guy that maybe is higher projected than what I actually expect him to go to, and that's Alex Leatherwood, offensive tackle out of Alabama. Tyron Smith, you know, you can restructure him and bring him back, even though he may be a bit pricey if he's healthy. That's absolutely a guy you want back on your roster. You don't want to just leave the left tackle spot wide open. So I think restructuring Smith, restructuring plenty of these guys could create a lot of cap space for the Cowboys. Surprisingly, they get up to around 80 million. Obviously, you got to pay Dak, which puts you back down to around 40 million. And you have some other guys that you're going to want to pay, and it'll bring you down. But I think, you know, keeping Smith around is very feasible and it's worth the risk because you're not going to be hurting. If he's hurt again, you know, it sucks, but I think it's important that you try to bring back your stars when you can, and I think Smith can still provide a lot of good football for the Cowboys. But Leatherwood, behind Smith for a year, I think would be absolutely perfect. We saw when Smith went down, the offensive tackle play was atrocious for the Cowboys. I think with Leatherwood, he has plenty of potential. He has very long arms, and I think, you know, there's there's versatility here that could have him playing offensive tackle, offensive guard, or wherever you really need him. He's athletic. He has a nice arm strength and pull. It's just getting that base worked on. And if he can be grown in that Cowboy system with all those great mentors, he could be a steal in the second round. In the third round, I have him going Alan McNeil, 
you look at what the Cowboys need most on the defensive line, and that is a one-tech defensive tackle. Former running back in high school, so the athleticism is definitely there. He's got some juice. He's got some pass rushing ability. Perfect for that 4-3 system. Playing one-tech, 320 pounds. I think he provides a perfect fit in that third round. I think he'd be a great pick of value. I look at the Cowboys, and I see a lot of defensive needs, so I kind of just continue addressing the defense. You know, even though I think they get some safeties in this free agency period, I have them drafting Hamza, Nazar Dean. If you have Xavier Woods as your free safety, Hamza can come in at strong safety. I have them signing a free safety that we'll talk about, but I think Hamza is a very nice potential pick in this third round. He has absolutely insane size. He can drop down and play linebacker if you need him. He can move all around the field. Rashard probably isn't going to see Cam Chancellor per se in this player, but I think he offers that same versatility. That'd be absolutely huge for the secondary. In the fourth round, I have the Cowboys going again at the defensive position. Add Okumbo Ogundeji, Notre Dame. I love his size. I love his frame. And I think while you have guys like DeMarcus Lawrence on this defensive line, you need some more pieces in there. Randy Gregory hopefully will be a contributor this year. I think Alden Smith is someone that they're going to try to bring back because of the money that they can create. So bringing in one more piece, Ogundeji, I think would be absolutely phenomenal. Get that rotation going, get some youth in there, and hopefully if he pans out well, you have a starter that you're getting in this day three selection, and that's absolutely huge. With the next fourth-round pick, we go finally to the offensive side of things, and we look at Shy Smith, wide receiver, or She Smith, wide receiver, out of South Carolina, big playability, kind of small, but he was absolutely making plays on the outside for South Carolina. Wide receiver one there, going against SEC cornerbacks all season and making plays. He's got some drop issues. There's definitely some question marks that will surround his play that makes him drop down in this draft. But as far as playmaking, toughness in his catches, and just overall polish, I think there's plenty to like with Smith. I think as long as... He is going to a place where there's other weapons in that room. He is going to be able to find some success and going to Dallas where, you know, you have Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, CeeDee Lamb. I think for one year that room is absolutely filled. But after that, the Cowboys probably will look to move around some of their pieces. Potentially Gallup is the odd man out. Smith then steps into a starting role and could find himself having plenty of success. In the fifth round, I have the Cowboys going carry Angeline tight end out of North Carolina State, the second of the Wolfpack that the Cowboys draft in this mock. I think he has a very nice frame. He has nice potential. You look at his length, you look at his athleticism, and that's really a huge combination for projecting tight ends. He's one of my favorite sleeper tight ends at the position for, you know, those day three guys. If any of them are going to boom, I like Angeline's chances. I think he offers a very steady set of hands, and he has the strength to be a solid blocker as well. Right now, Blake Jarwin is your tight end in Dallas, and that's perfectly fine. I think he's a great starter, but I think you can still take a risk and see if you can hit on another tight end because really the Cowboys' biggest issue last year was health. And if you can get these guys back healthy, you have these other picks that are going to be addressing the depth on your team, then with these day three picks, you can really kind of throw darts at the dartboard of guys you like and see what you can make out of these, you know, clay balls and see what you can make in terms of late round contributors. And I think Angeline is definitely one of those guys with the sixth round pick. I have him going Benjamin St. Houston 
And the reason that I like this fit is because Chris Richard, Chris Richard, Chris Richard, Chris Richard is just over and over again why I love this. Because Benjamin St. Hoos is a lanky, long-armed corner, absolutely huge size. I think he's 6'3", 205 pounds. He moves pretty well. There's definitely some issues with his hips, but I think in a system like Richard's where he can be the big physical corner that he is, it's an absolutely great fit. In that day three area, I I just think it's one of those guys that you got to try it out. And yes, they already drafted a corner, but you might as well add some more talent to that room. And I think St. Hoos could be a guy that they target late in this draft and it could work out for them. In the seventh round, we talked about it already, but the Cowboys had injury issues on this offensive line. Hargrove made, I believe, 32 consecutive starts for the Pittsburgh Panthers at guard, bringing him in onto this offensive line. A lot of GMs, a lot of head coaches will say, the best ability is availability. And if you can get a depth offensive lineman that can step in and be able to fill a role if needed, that's absolutely huge. And in the seventh round, it may be a bit generous to the Cowboys. Hargrove is a guy that doesn't get as much hype, but I think he could be someone that flies up a little bit further once the draft comes around that fifth, sixth round because of how dependable he is as a player. So, Brian, obviously there's plenty of different directions that the Cowboys could go with this draft. Overall, just from a needs perspective, how do you feel about this draft for the Cowboys? Yeah, I kind of like what you did here because you focused on defense. I think that a lot of their question marks, as you also mentioned, come from uh, injuries on offense. You know, it starts with the quarterback and it extends to the offensive line. And that's really like the genesis of where things went wrong for them offensively. But what they need is defense, cornerbacks, um, linebackers, edge rushers. They kind of need everything. They gave up a million points. I believe they have three starters from the secondary also entering free agency. So you might have a cornerback finally on one side of the field because they just drafted uh, Diggs, but they're going to need another one. And taking one with their very first pick is probably a good move. And I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, the first round pick, the second round pick, and one of those third round picks definitely went towards defense, which order you do it in, you know, who knows, but if they got Alex Leatherwood, they would feel a lot better on the offensive line also. So I kind of like what you did here. They have to focus on defense, obviously. Absolutely. And let's dive into this offense. And really, it looks pretty good on paper. You look at Dak Prescott at quarterback, Zeke with a healthy offensive line on the running back spot with Tony Pollard, obviously backing him up if he maybe continues to have some of the struggles that he showed over the course of this season. At the wide receiver room, we have Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, CeeDee Lamb, definitely one of the best receiving groups in the NFL. At tight end, we got Blake Jarwin. At left tackle, we're bringing back Tyron Smith. We talked about it, though. Alex Leatherwood right behind him. At the interior offensive line, we got Connor Williams, Tyler Beattis, Zach Martin. You know, Connor McGovern could start at center if Beattis doesn't take that next step. Or McGovern could start at left guard. Really, he provided enough to where he could potentially fight for one of those starting spots. Zach Martin, obviously the star of this group, going to be huge for the team's success as long as he, as long as he stays healthy as well. And then at right tackle, we got Leo Collins. On paper, the Cowboys' offense seems like it should be able to get cooking immediately. And really, it just comes down to the play calling and health. And we assume Prescott's going to come back healthy, playing well. We assume this receiving unit is going to continue making strides 
TD Lamb, obviously a very strong rookie year. Now it comes down to this offensive line. While they are aging, they still have a very great unit of talent. And if they can stay healthy, this offense could be one of the best in the league. Just by virtue of getting back some guys that they didn't have last year, this is going to be, you know, we never really got to see the offense that we expected from the Cowboys last year. So, I mean, I guess that's the point. And I think one big thing is going to be how Kellen Moore takes this offense, a guy that was heavily rumored to be flying up head coaching ranks early in the season. Prescott goes down, the offense has the struggles, and he kind of fizzled out in terms of those rumors and how much they heated out or heated up. But with another strong season, with an offense this talented, I think he could potentially be a guy that starts to get a lot of love in terms of coaching rumors. And we have a question. Can Tyron Smith stay healthy? And that's the big question mark. You know, obviously, Brian and myself would love for Smith to be healthy because you, you never want to see any player hurt. If a player falls off or just struggles, especially when it's against your favorite team, you know, great. But you don't want to see guys lose their career or lose their talent due to injuries. So we're definitely hoping Tyron Smith has a great year. Maybe Nick hoping otherwise, but – us too, you know, we got no issues with the guy. Yeah, I mean, we, we might forget. We It's easy to point at uh, Tyron Smith because he, I guess, missed a ton of games. But, you know, even Zach Martin missed six games last year. And, you know, I mean, if, I, if, there's, a, if there's a definition of a, of a linchpin to an offensive line uh, in the NFL, it's uh, somebody like Zach Martin. I just, I just think that we grade the Cowboys on a, on a curved scale based on you know, really how terrible they were for most of the season. But I think a lot of their deficiencies uh, could get covered up, especially on defense, which isn't going to get turned around all in one year if they could start scoring points again. So, you know, and, and they should. And if everybody's healthy, they should be one of the best offenses in football, just like we thought going into 2020. Absolutely. And, you know, the last thing we got to talk about is just, you know, a potential talking point. I don't agree with it. I'm sure, you know, you're probably of similar opinion, but should the Cowboys go quarterback with their first round pick? You know, we got to mention it. We got to talk about it. It's a talking point. Dak is obviously going to be in for a big contract. And yes, that hurts your ability to team build with some of the money tied up to the QB position. But in my opinion, you go with Dak. You got a franchise QB on your hands. He's definitely the answer. I say pay him. I say make it work. And I say you're going to reap the benefits of it if you do. Uh, Brian, I, I don't want to speak for you, but I assume it's similar. But let's hear what you got to say. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about how much the cap is going to go up and how much extra money you're going to have to spend. So, yeah, you're going to have to break the bank for Prescott. But I would probably do it at least for, um, you know, for, for one more year. I think they can slap the franchise tag on him one more time if they want to. Uh, pay him a whole bunch of money. But yeah, I would not agree with taking a, a a quarterback at 10 or 11 or wherever they're at. I know they have one of those and the Giants have the other. But uh, no, I would not advise against that. They have too many holes on defense that they could address by taking a guy like Sertan or a guy like Farley that uh, I would definitely go that direction and start establishing defense while you you have a quarterback that wants to be there who has proven himself. I know he's coming off a 
you know, a pretty scary injury, but that's why I'd slap the franchise tag on him one more time and just, you know, go one year at a time, like we were talking about before. And if Dak's fully healthy, then you're going to have to really break the bank for him next year. <laughs> Absolutely. And now we look at the defensive side of things for the Cowboys. We see a lot of former Dan Quinn guys that I'm adding into this. You know, first, let's look at the defensive line, though. We got Al McNeil and Neville Gallimore at the defensive tackle spot. Obviously, Tristan Hill in that rotation as well. Bring back Tyrone Crawford if you want to. That's perfectly fine. I think this defensive line can get cooking as long as they have a big interior presence filling that one tackle or one tech spot. And I think McNeil does that. On the edge, bring back Alden Smith. You got Randy Gregory, Ogan Deji, we talked about, but also Demarcus Lawrence is your star. If he can get back to getting going on that edge spot, I think you're going to get a lot of production and this defense could be a bit scary. At linebacker, I know a lot of fans are kind of wishy-washy on Jalen Smith. I think a restructured deal with a better defensive line is going to return him to stardom, and you have Smith, Van Der Esch, and Devondre Campbell as your first former Dan Campbell hire, or Dan Quinn, sorry, Dan Quinn hire. And you look at these guys, you know, Campbell can move around the field. He's your coverage guy. Van Der Esch has some pretty underrated coverage ability, but he's playing Mike. And then Jalen Smith as your will linebacker. I think there's plenty of potential here for the linebacker unit to kind of resurrect what was seen in years past. This past year, maybe a little bit of a down year with Leighton Vander Esch being injured. Jalen Smith obviously having his struggles. If Vander Esch can stay healthy, Jalen Smith can get back. I think it's absolutely huge for this Cowboys defense. And these guys are young, but they are leaders of this defense. So if they can be back and healthy and playing well, that is huge for the defense. And, you know, we look at the secondary. Caleb Farley, Trevon Diggs, Anthony Brown. Again, Chris Richard is going to have this unit cooking. I understand if you have your concerns based on last year, but Chris Richard is one of the best defensive minds in football. And I think as long as he gets some people brought in to help him out, this unit should be good, even though it's young, even though there's issues still. Trevon Diggs definitely had his moments where he shined and has moments where he struggled. Fairley's going to have some rookie mistaps. Anthony Brown, you know, kind of unproven in terms of slot play, but definitely a unit that I like. And then at free safety, I have them going Ricardo Allen, another Dan Quinn guy, just got cut by the Falcons, put him in at free safety, Xavier Woods, strong safety. And this unit is really fulfilled with guys that either A, know the system, or B, have plenty of talent. And for most of them, they have both Cowboys, I know a lot of you maybe were stressed out last season with all the issues in terms of defense and in terms of health, but this is your blueprint for how to fix your team. Brian, what do you think of this mock off season for the Cowboys? And what do you think the outlook is for them heading into the 2021 season? I think you should send your resume to Jerry. He's got a few years left. I think he could use you. Um, <laughs> No, I actually think the Cowboys, I mean, health is the, is the X factor for everything. Right. But um, I'll look at it. I'll tell people what uh, people who are smarter than me think. And for, and since I'm here to talk about things from a betting perspective, I'll put it like this last year, the Cowboys and the Eagles were seen as teams that were basically on a level playing field. They had the same, you know, odds to win the division and, you know, things kind of went haywire with injuries at this point, they haven't drafted a player. They haven't spent a cent. 
the Cowboys are far and away the favorite to win the NFC East. And that's just by virtue of getting back players that they didn't have last year and making a couple moves to fit to plug, you know, a couple of the holes that they have on defense. I think the Cowboys are actually in a great spot, as we say, probably every year, just looking at the talent on their roster um, to, to make the playoffs. I, you know, if I had to speak now, I know it's a bit early, but I'm going to say that the Cowboys are in a great position to win the NFC East. Absolutely. And, you know, right now they're sitting at about 20 million in cap space and, We'll tell you this right away. Jerry Jones is not afraid to rework money, convert it into bonus, and just absolutely push himself up against the cap. You know, you you convert Demarcus Lawrence and you save eleven million. You convert Amari Cooper and you're saving fourteen million. You convert Zach Martin and you're saving money. You convert, you know, so many of these players, and you're just absolutely turning your cap space into opportunity. The Cowboys are going to come out and they're going to spend, they're going to convert a lot of these contracts and look for them to come back with a vengeance this year. I think they'll make playoffs. I'm not a huge Mike McCarthy fan, but I am a fan of the overall roster talent. If they can create some money, create some opportunity in free agency and make some plays, they're definitely in the mix of being a very talented team. And this is probably another spot that, Brian, you may not want to hear this, but Richard Sherman would have to consider. I know he said he wanted to be on a contending team. The Cowboys, while they were a down-year team, they're still very much able to contend. If they can fix that secondary with a guy like Richard Sherman, working with Chris Richard, working with Dan Quinn, I think he'd love that. And as long as the Cowboys can you know, stay healthy, they should be able to make playoffs and be a contender like Sherman is seeking. Now – yeah. Well- you talked oh, about sorry, it before. No, it's, I was just going to say, like, you know, we're not going to, you know, Trevon Diggs is a young player who's good and they're going to draft another cornerback and they're going to draft somebody at safety and they're going to draft somebody along the edge. But, and guys like, you know, you have up here, Neville Gallimore was, you know, he was a draft pick last year, but you know, you're not going to cure the entire thing with, with rookies and second year players only. You're going to have to go out and get some vets. I mean, a lot of teams are in that spot. If I was the Cowboys, I'd consider paying a guy like Sherman too. Absolutely. And now we have to go from a team that maybe fell from glory and had a down year to a team that maybe was down in the dumps and now has started to build up a bit, the New York Giants. And in terms of draft capital and cap space, they're actually kind of limited this year. So for Giants fans, I'm sorry if this offseason doesn't match your expectations. I think one of the big things is, Probably Giants will have to let Leonard Williams walk. But let's look at it from a draft perspective. In the first round, I have him going Devonta Smith, wide receiver out of Alabama. Absolute playmaker. Obviously, you have guys like Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton in this wide receiver room. Adding one more guy I think is absolutely huge. Cutting Golden Tate creates some money, creates some opportunity for you to go out and spend. So going and getting a guy like Devonta Smith, who has that similar polish to a guy like Justin Jefferson, who just absolutely tore up the league, is huge for the Giants. And I think you get a great wide receiver and you fill out that wide receiver room for the future. In the second round, I'm going Joseph Osai, edge rusher out of Texas. I think he's one of these versatile linebacker, edge rusher type players. And I think he's absolutely a perfect fit for that Patriots style defense. Getting a guy who can rush the passer, but also drop into coverage when needed. Absolutely a perfect fit. The Giants have been needing edge rusher for quite some time. Lorenzo Carter 
can hold down the job, but I think you need one more, and Joseph Osai does that. In the third round, it's someone that probably isn't expected to follow the third, but I think realistically it's definitely on the table. Trey Smith, due to all the injury issues, health concerns, at Tennessee he was not practicing for most part. He was sitting out for the whole week of practice and then playing games. So there's definitely going to be plenty of red flags about this guy in the draft process. In terms of medicals, a lot of teams will maybe convince themselves that he's worth it, but he's not worth it in terms of the overall value. But there's also going to be teams that just completely take this guy off the board. I love Trey Smith. I think in terms of talent, he's a mid-first round to early second-round player. But these medical issues are legit, and teams are going to pass over him for a chance to pick someone else. So in the third round, that creates an opportunity for the Giants, who need some help on the interior offensive line. Get a guy like Trey Smith, swing for the fences a bit. Yes, you have Shane LaMouse, so if you you know completely miss on Trey Smith and he's just not able to be healthy, not able to play, then you have a guy that can step in at left guard. But at the peak of it, you can get an all-pro offensive guard in Trey Smith and absolutely home run pick in the third round. In the fourth round, we're going with DJ Daniel, cornerback out of Georgia. This is another swing for the fences type of pick because in 2019, he was one of the best corners in college football, just point blank. And then Tyson Campbell got healthy. Eric Stokes continued to grow. And DJ Daniel kind of fell out of that rotation, got put in the slot, struggled. And from there, he just opted out. After about four games, he said, okay, I'm just going to declare for the draft, get ready for the process. If you can put him back on the outside and you can find that success that he had as an outside corner with more consistent play, then I think DJ Daniel could be a steal in this draft. Has fallen off a bit, but I think he could be one of those guys that surprises and goes higher than expected. Fourth round may be seen as a little high, but I think fourth round is a very safe range for DJ Daniel. And with the Giants, you know, Julian Love definitely grew over the course of the season playing that cornerback spot, potentially being that cornerback too for the Giants. But I think you still need some help in this room. Adding a guy like DJ Daniel is absolutely huge for the opportunity that you get at that outside corner spot. And then the sixth round, we double dip with two Pittsburgh Panthers, DeMar Hamlin as a free safety and Jimmy Morrissey as a center. Look, there's Nick Gates on this offensive line, but I think if you can find his replacement, that'd be ideal. He can hold down the job for another year, and with limited funds, Obviously, you can make some moves uh, next year, but this year you're kind of limited in terms of acquisition. So bringing in Morrissey, hoping to see what he can do is huge. Hamlin at that free safety right now, I feel like the Giants don't have a true free safety. Logan Ryan played it a bit. McKinney played it, but I think he's more of a strong safety. Jabril taking that strong safety spot. So bringing in a guy like Hamlin that can at least rotate in there and help out I think it would be absolutely huge for them in terms of establishing this defense. So, Brian, obviously the Giants have a lot on their plate with little to kind of make it work. But what do you think of this draft in terms of hitting on needs, and what do you think maybe you would disagree with in terms of a position that they probably should look for in the draft that I didn't necessarily hit? No, I'm actually going to I've got I've got huge compliments for you on this one because I think I think most people would agree Giants fan or not just looking at the team that what they need most is some combination of 
edge rusher, cornerback, and wide receiver. You know, whatever whatever order you want to put it in, those are probably the three positions that they need most. And then the fourth one, even though they addressed this in the first round last year with Andrew Thomas, is offensive line. I believe they were the 31st-ranked offensive line, according to Pro Football Focus last year. It's not good. But the thing that we can say is that they have a new offensive line coach, Rob Sale, who's known as a developer of young players. So hopefully that'll help Thomas and a couple of the other guys that they have there because they need improvement from there, but they likely aren't ready to spend such an early pick on it. So it would probably be – um, an edge rusher for me if they if they could prioritize that. But I think when you're talking about a team that has very, very little money to spend and the only way they're going to be able to move the needle this offseason uh, without doing a lot of restructuring is in the draft, uh, I think drafting De- Devontae Smith is a phenomenal idea, actually. That'd be great. I appreciate it. So let's first dive into the offensive side of things. For the Giants, you know, Daniel Jones is back at QB. I understand, you know, if maybe you aren't entirely sold on him as a Giants fan, but I'm telling you, he'll be back. So don't get your hopes up that they're going to make this huge trade and move for Zach Wilson or Justin Fields or Trey Lance or Mac Jones. It's going to be Daniel Jones. And he proved himself plenty over the season to where he should be back. So this is the right call by the Giants to bring back Daniel Jones, bring back Saquon Barkley, who – Hopefully we'll be healthy and add to this offense. We look at the receiver room, Sterling Shepard in the slot, Darius Slayton and Devonta Smith working around on the outside, Evan Ingram back at tight end. That's another thing that I think a lot of people for Giants fans are kind of iffy on. Evan Ingram has his drop issues. He has his you know issues as a blocker, but he's a weapon. And I think right now with the limited assets that the Giants currently have, you shouldn't really force him out the door yet. Give him one more year in the system. See what he can do. Maybe if you get a great trade offer that is worth it, you do it. But I think right now, looking at it from a Giants perspective, there's not a lot that you can do at the tight end position. So getting Evan Ingram back would be nice. Putting Andrew Thomas at left tackle again. And, you know, he had his issues early on, but he definitely came on strong to end the season. He should be much better in year two. Trey Smith at left guard, obviously, Guys like Shane Lamont could play at that left guard spot as well. Nick Gates at center, I think, like we talked about earlier, he was fine enough to hold down the position. At right guard, we're looking at Will Hernandez filling in for Kevin Zietler, who I think they cut to create some cap space. And then at right tackle, Matt Parrott to really fill out this young offensive line. This offense is young, and I understand if it's maybe – below average for the league standard and for, you know, trying to hype yourself up for this insane off season. But I do think that there is plenty to look forward to Saquon Barkley being back is underestimated. I understand that the running back position is absolutely, you know, blasted on social media as just this overvalued spot. But when you have an athlete like Saquon Barkley, it's huge. And with a better offensive line, he's going to produce better than those, you know, lackluster performances that he had before he got hurt. Brian, what do you think of this offense, and what do you think Giants fans should expect for the season? Yeah, I still think that the offensive line might not improve enough to the point where Barkley's going to look quite as good as he needs to, but I will say that if you're going to have a lackluster offensive line, well, then you better have a complete game-breaker out there at the running back position to make 
uh, to create yardage where you can. I think that there's just certain guys that Giants fans are down on. I know that Nick is down on Daniel Jones, although, you know, I'm probably not. I think Evan Ingram's the guy where you should expect a big bounce back year from. I mean, the guy has all the skills in the world, even though he was a pro bowler. I think we all kind of remember some terrible drops the second half of the season, but we know he's capable really of a lot more than that. I mean, his tight end, his job is to quite literally catch the football. Um, I would look for a lot of improvement from him uh, in that regard. And, you know, the wide receiver group honestly did pretty good last year without having that huge game-breaking threat. So if they can get one, I think they become pretty dangerous. And for Jones, it's really just not limiting those terrible turnovers. I think that that happens occasionally. I watch Sam Darnold for 16 games a year, so I know exactly how that looks, like times five. Um, but Jones has some occasional, occasional turnover woes where you're just like, I can't believe this guy just fumbled that ball. Um, but it's really just incremental improvement from a bunch of guys who are really young. But I do want to ask you one thing, you know, how last year we had a record, I think it was like 13 wide receivers taken in the first two rounds, Yeah, uh, you know, and it was, uh, Rugs, Judy, and Lamb, they all went in like a five or six pick, you know, span. I guess my question for you would be, you have Chase over Smith, and besides Chase Smith and Waddle, is it a is it a huge drop off then for you until we get to the you know to the Terrace Marshalls and sort of in that group? Like we aren't going to quite see teams leap at that position like we did last year. Right. I think there's still some very talented players. You know, you look at guys like Rashad Bateman, Kadarius Toney, Rondell Moore, Terrace Marshall. There's plenty to love about these guys. But I do think that these top three have established themselves really at the big stage, and that's why they are maybe sold more. Uh, You know, looking at my rankings personally, I'm a Jalen Waddle guy. He's my wide receiver one. I think Chase could be first off the board if the Eagles do go wide receiver just because he kind of fits in that room well. But really, it's going to depend on if you told me what team was picking wide receiver first. I feel like there's so many different players that would just change how I go about that prediction of who it would be. So if the Giants were the first team to pick a wide receiver, I still think it would be Smith. If the Eagles are, then I think it would be Chase. If it were a team, you know, maybe a little bit later like the Chargers or something, I'd say – you know what? I think it's Waddle because I think having that deep threat for Herbert would be absolutely phenomenal. Personally, Waddle's my wide receiver one, but even past these three, Rashad Bateman offers plenty to love about him. At 6'2", 200 pounds, he's a phenomenal mover for his size, but he's still one of those great contested catch guys. So there's plenty to love about this class, but I think that playmaking superstar wide receiver ability wasn't really seen as much as we saw it out of those three, except for maybe some of the uh, smaller slot guys like Elijah Moore, who their issues more just being, you know, 5'9", 175 pounds. So this wide receiver class is good. And if you told me, you know, pick either one of these three wide receivers or the rest of the field for who's going to be wide receiver one when we're looking back on it in 20 years in hindsight, I'd probably go with the field. But it's definitely deserved for these top three to be as secluded as they are. Uh, uh, the Eagles taking a wide receiver in the first round for the second year in a row would really be something. I guess it didn't, <laughs> it didn't work out so well last year. But Jalen Rager's young. Who knows? Yeah, I think Rager will come out and have a better year. I think with the locker room turmoil hopefully being resolved, a lot of these guys are going to be 
looking a lot more polished in, in terms of that rookie group. So let's look at the Giants defense now. Patriots fans, I'm sorry if this hurts you. I have them going Lawrence Guy, Dalvin Tomlinson, and Dexter Lawrence on the defensive line. You look at what the Giants really are going to be missing with Leonard Williams, and I don't think they pay because the Patriots way has always just kind of been getting these solid defensive linemen to really fill in that gap, but not really necessarily go and spend on those guys. So I think the Giants are going to let Leonard Williams go, and I think they go and get a guy like Lawrence Guy who – Maybe the Patriots could easily afford to bring back, but I think we could see him change his scenery up, go to the Giants, help establish that culture. On the edge, I have him having a sigh in Lorenzo Carter. At linebacker, Blake Martinez and Tay Crowder. Tay Crowder really came into his own as a linebacker. Blake Martinez gave him glowing reviews in terms of, he said, he's one of the best rookie linebackers I've ever played with. And I think that says a lot. Crowder definitely showed some strong promise as the season went along. And while the Giants could potentially bring in a guy in that third, fourth round pick area at linebacker for depth and potentially fulfill the starting position, I think letting Crowder really have one more year working with Blake Martinez, working in the system would be absolutely huge. In the cornerback group, I got James Bradbury obviously back after a phenomenal first year with the Giants. Julian Love as cornerback too. And then Logan Ryan back in that slot position. Ryan was absolutely a huge veteran presence for this unit. And I think with guys that are still very young, like Love, like a DJ Daniel, like guys like McKinney, there's just so much youth in this unit that having a veteran presence like Logan Ryan would be absolutely huge. And then at the safety spots, Xavier McKinney, Jabril Peppers, finishing out this safety unit. The defense last year was a huge surprise to the Giants because they really were in a lot of games. They were competitive. They were slowing down offenses. I mean, you look at Brady against the Giants, and he struggled. And I'm not just saying, like, oh, you know, they slowed down Brady. Look at them. They're an elite defense. But they had many moments where they came out, played higher than expectation, and the Giants really established themselves as a competitive team. With one more year of growth, some added depth, some added talent. Yes, losing Leonard Williams hurts, but you're still getting some some very good players and some very good growth and development out of these guys. The Giants could be a competitive team, and while the roster is definitely not up to par, in my opinion, they could very well surprise and make playoffs with how well Joe Judge has shown this team growing in that first year. And if that growth continues, then they're very much in play to win the NFC East and make playoffs. Apologies there, getting a conference call. But um, <laughs> yeah, the Giants, and I'll tell you guys from an odds perspective, I told you that the uh, that the Cowboys were you know the favorite, and the Giants and the Eagles are really on the same plane there, about plus 375, plus 400. Uh, I'm sorry, the Giants and the Washington football team uh, and Philadelphia, actually. So everybody's a little bit behind the Cowboys. There's definitely some value there. Um, it's really – this division's so tough to call, Michael, isn't it? I mean, everybody just beats each other up, it feels like. Um, I'm not exactly sure about the Giants. I wish Nick was here to give us a prediction on on his team. I'm not exactly sure. Yeah, and, you know, it's weird because as much as I say they could surprise, if you told me the Giants are picking bottom 10 again next year, I'm not going to be taken back by that. So there's a lot here that, you know, could work out and could continue growing, and there's a lot that, you know – maybe just doesn't work out for them. And 
Um, I'm sure a lot of fans are going to say this is Daniel Jones' make or break year, but also there's plenty of guys on this defense and offense that will also need to take those steps or else they're gone. You know, Daniel Jones is in a make or break year. Evan Ingram is in a make or break year. Some of the guys on this offensive line, like Nick Gates, are going to be gone if they don't take that next step. You know, the Giants value Dalvin Tomlinson, so I expect them to bring him back over Leonard Williams. But if you can get a defensive lineman that can add more presence as a pass rusher, I think it's bigger. Dexter Lawrence is obviously a great nose tackle if you need him to fill that spot. So if I'm the Giants, I say go for Leonard Williams, but this is what I expect them to do kind of. And I think Dalvin Tomlinson is still a very good player, so I'm not saying this is just a bad signing. But I just worry about the overall presence that they put on QBs if they have you know a young edge rushing group and a defensive line group that's more run stuffers than is pass rush presence. And that's going to be the big question mark and concern if they do follow a blueprint similar to this. Yeah, when you don't have a lot of cap space either, you, this is why, you know, it, it's you can address some of your needs here and then some of your needs there, and they're really in a position where um, who they don't sign is going to be bigger news than who they do sign. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. And they can create space with restructures. They can cut guys like Kevin Zietler, you know, cut guys like Golden Tate, but really the money's limited for the Giants, and they still have some guys that they'll need to pay to bring back so we'll see what they do, but ultimately, we will have it covered here on Destination Draft Day. We want to thank all the comments in the comment section. We want to thank LandryFootball.com and Bonus Seeker for the opportunities they give us. And thank you to Brian for coming on the show today. We have plenty more mock offseason blueprints to come. Next Friday, we got some extra work coming in. We are going to be covering some very talented Teams like the 49ers and the Chargers, two very exciting franchises for two very different reasons. And I think, you know, with all the potential in this league, the the further we get down this draft order, the more fun it's going to get. So we look forward to Friday, and we'll see you then. Destination Draft Day for all pro football, cultural football, and NFL draft coverage. We got you covered. It's a long road to the draft, but we'll get you there. Take care, guys, and we'll see you Friday.